talking about i think for a year for a year for what a year and a week now exactly totally yeah we've been talking about doing a podcast for a while uh (laughs) thank you for making this happen this is kind of like one of our meetings but recorded for everybody to listen in uh what the hell have we been talking about randy the olympics tell me everything i want to know oh man we've been talking about i mean it's been since the beginning of even deciding if I really wanted to do this or not, all the way through um, what training was going to look like, what recovery was going to look like, what the pathway was going to look like. Um, there's probably a misconception out there that there's like one clear pathway to the Olympics and everybody's is actually pretty unique given when they joined. Um, and what, yeah, at what point they decided to jump in. And then we moved into like really deciding to do this and creating a team and a support system. And um, yeah, clarifying our relationship. And now two weeks out for going for it. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So... Let, let's just take it take it back uh, to the moment you learn that breaking is going to be in the Olympics, and um, how do you how do you get involved? Uh, where do we cross paths? Um, and and how are things going? <laughs> Basically, that that's kind of what I what I want to get to. I want to just get to like, how are you doing? Are you okay? How are you doing? Um, I've actually had a kind of an interesting way of getting involved. Um, I've first got involved actually on the Athletes Council of USA breaking, which was going for um, getting approved to be the NGB at that time. And it was Sunny who brought me onto that. So I was with that with a couple others. El Nino was on that. Um, Box One was on that. Morris was on that. And um, it was in hopes of like having our own NGB basically that was outside of ballroom and that didn't go through. Um, then there was like a whole kind of like switch up. Everything um, was up in the air for a little bit and bringing for gold approached me about also being on the athletes council, but I was leaving for tour and didn't feel like I would have the time to commit to like the weekly meetings and everything. And um and that was all even before I considered like going the athlete route. And then post tour came back um, and B-Boy Wicket actually reached out to me first and was like, we're, we're building something here for the Olympics. And can I put you in touch with my friend Carl? And I was uh. like, I don't know who this Carl guy is, but yeah, sure. And, and so um, that that started exactly a year ago i think we just discovered we just hit our one year uh meetup anniversary 
Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I started working with Bonita and Flo. And this was also like Sunny, Vicky, Snap One, Pepsi, uh, Jeff Rose in there, Gravity, Morris, and even just still everybody trying to figure out what this was and how it was forming and um, what the best way to approach it for longevity was as well, I think. And then we got to uh, about a week away from the last qualifier and thought the rules were one way and they were another. And I had to jump into the last qualifier to be able to like continue to be in the race for jumping on the team. Um, And it was all very last minute. I was still really unsure of like if this was something that I could dedicate my time and energy to at that point. Um, ended up getting bronze at that qualifier where my goal was literally just to make top 16 so that I'd be eligible to go to the nationals and went to the nationals, um, lost in top eight, but was ranked off voting and point system fifth. So just barely missed, you know, making the team on that one. Um, but I think that kind of lit the beginning of really wanting to go on this journey there was still a lot of like ebb and flow, a lot of figuring out how to balance my current work life because um, I already work in dance with the training needs of this and how to fund that. And then, um, yeah, I don't know what snapped, but something around the LA qualifier this year, I was just like, you know what? I'm willing to like really risk it and go all in and pause the other stuff for a while, pause the industry dance, pause teaching, pause all that um, to commit the time that it's going to take, which uh, then found out that it was only two months between that first qualifier and the nationals. So uh, that is where we are at right now. I'm like fully in. I've not been working for the last couple months so that I can uh, be training full time. I've got a trainer. Uh, I've got you, Carl. Uh, I've got some coaches, um, and I've been, yeah, hitting it hard. I'm, I'm entering the race late, so I've got some, some distance to make up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. So let's just take it back to the first supposedly NGB, which is a national governing body, which was yes. USA breaking, I believe. Yes. You were... Um, asked to be part of that as a member of the organization, which was to govern breaking uh, with the intention of uh, standardizing maybe things, uh, if it was to become a sport or featured as a sport, like in the Olympics, that there was a governing body. Anyways, for reasons that I, I don't care to know at this moment about because it, in the scene it sounds a little dramatic, um, <laughs> but maybe it's not as dramatic as 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 uh, they make it seem. Uh, that didn't happen, but then came uh, came Breaking for Gold USA as the new potential NGB. The the official one is USA Dance, correct? Uh, that does govern ballroom and I believe some other uh, styles of dance and including uh, breaking right now, but breaking is run or managed um, to the best of my knowledge by Breaking for Gold USA. 
But uh, when Breaking Free Gold USA came about, were you also asked to be part of the council? or And, and why did you say no to that? What was it that happened? Um, at that moment, I feel like I had just I had just gotten off of USA Breaking where I was actually sitting on two councils. I was on the athlete council. And then myself and Asia One actually were asked to start like an ethics committee, um, which we had another person there that was more qualified, but neither of us were particularly qualified. Um, and there was some, there was drama going on. Um, and it felt a little bit like a leave it to the B girls to like figure out which was interesting because the problematic side was like actually coming from the B-boys in the scene. Um, and so I, I think I just felt a little overwhelmed with like committees and um, I personally felt a little not prepared for that role. And then I was leaving for tour where we're doing, you know, six to seven shows a week in five to six different cities. And I was like, I, I honestly don't think I have the bandwidth right now to do my due diligence. Like I could sit on the, I could say yes and like, you know, have my name attached to it and, and all of that, but I, I wouldn't be effective in that role. Um, and so I ended up turning it down, which, uh -huh. you know, they have Maka now they have some really great B girls on that council. So it, it worked out great. Um. But yeah, I, I didn't feel prepared, nor did I have the time to adequately prepare for that role. Mm -hmm. And to be completely fair, anybody trying to start an organization of any kind is very brave and courageous. Yes. And uh, if you can do that without creating some chaos and without their, you know, there being emotions stirred up and a little bit of drama, uh, then tell me how you did it. Because uh, in the history of mankind, humankind, uh, I was thinking about the B-Boys. I guess uh, Freudian <laughs> didn't slip. Um, yeah, in, in the history of humankind, I don't think that has ever been possible. But the thing that I want to kind of like focus in on is this idea of maybe not feeling qualified. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, but you were invited. Thus, to some degree, you were qualified. In your head, if you had to uh, embrace the qualifications, what would qualify you to be um, a council member uh, on an NGB like this, like USA Breaking before or now Breaking for Gold USA? What do people see in you that say, we need Randy? Um, I feel like my ability to communicate is high on that list. Um, it was actually Sunny who brought me in after we had hung out for a weekend at... Um, a break free event. And um, I think it's uh, my communication and it's also, I'm not like strongly emotionally tied to a big crew that has beef with other crews. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty unbiased when it comes to that. And so I think that's helpful on something like this where it really has to be about the overall scene of breaking and not old beef or like crew versus crew or bring in your friends or that kind of thing. And I think they're doing a great job of, of doing that and finding people that are able to do that. 
Um, and I think that was probably one of the draws is that I'm pretty neutral when it comes to to the things in the scene. Um, but I don't know that I like was thinking about that when they asked me. I think I was more thinking of like imposter syndrome. Mm, because you're a fucking great dancer <laughs> and you're an amazing performer and an athlete. And you have, uh, from what I have seen, consistently displayed a high level of emotional intelligence. That that would be why I would pick you. Uh, so I'm just gonna say it, uh, and I think that's obvious uh, when you spend some time with you. So uh, if that's okay, that's that's what I see. I appreciate that. I I I receive it. Okay, that's cool. And um, it's interesting because you're bringing something up that I think is very important in the in the breaking scene and something that has I've been hesitant to even uh, say publicly that I am supporting breaking, which is this idea of there being beef. And it's the nature of breaking. It's hip hop. It's born out of the need to find something to express yourself when you come from a place of minimal resources uh, oppression and maybe not having the tools and language to uh, express yourself in a way that you can be heard to allow that to happen. And and breaking has that. And as breaking expanded and grew over time, um, the bonds between those who practiced together, hung together, was uh, as strong as the bonds of a family. It was really family. And, and those families more than teams were crews. And to me, it sounds like the crews are almost like gangs without the crime. <laughs> I'm just making this up, so shoot me if you need to. I don't fucking know. But that's my interpretation. So there's a lot that comes from that. It, it, is what I'm saying completely wrong? Out of, am I speaking out of pocket here? No, 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 no. I'm like, it's, it's actually like really historically point on like and and i would be wrong to say that like i don't have beef in the scene or didn't have beef with individual people um and i think it was maybe that i just like i don't know have been quieter about it or or people don't see me as somebody that like has a lot of issues throughout the community but i, I I actually think that it's necessary to have some beef and it's like part of the competitive factor as well. It, it you, like you always want to win, but there's certain people you like want to beat. And, and okay. I think those are like two different feelings. Um, and you know, when I started what 14 years ago, I had way more issues back then. There's like a lot of us that have kind of grown up and like relaxed and and talked it out or just like shown respect to each other later. Um, but I think it's a necessary ingredient to breaking. And that's also what makes it hard, right? Like how do we keep this energy of of family like you said and bonds and competitiveness and all of that and then also move into this arena of like fairness and uh 
even like team versus crew, right? Now we're building teams where it's who's the most capable, not who's spent the most time together and feels like a crew or a family. So the, it's it's definitely balancing two different worlds. And and I think part of what helps me is that I grew up playing sports. So I understand a team. I understand putting a team over your individual ego for a moment for the betterment of the club or whatever the, the case, the city, the school. Um, and so it's it's a it's really interesting to watch this shift into this new world where like you may be teamed up with somebody that you don't like. Yeah, that previously was from um an opposing crew. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of reminds me you you grew up playing soccer. Uh, I guess it reminds me of me growing up in Spain and soccer being the national sport and anytime it was Madrid Barca Barcelona, it was like the biggest game ever. So that that rivalry is important to level up, but the beef within the breaking scene gets personal almost, and <laughs> it's, it's it's more than more than the craft or the game. Uh, and I guess that's the nature uh, of it. But something's happening now, which is this 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 beef, uh, this uh, rivalry is is going from something that is personal to something that has more to do with the uh, evolution of the craft. But it, it it's something that I, from just from what I observe, people have a hard time, especially in the breaking scene, they have a hard time expressing that they just can't articulate. And sometimes it comes out as, oh, I'm more neutral or whatever. But then again, you're like, no, I, I want to kill everybody. <laughs> It's it's too hard of a of a dance and an art form to do if you're actually like a neutral person. I believe I'm like mm-hmm. there's something a little self destructive in us breakers that I, it's similar I think to like boxing and other things where like you're inevitably gonna get hit. Mm-hmm. You can't be good enough to escape like crashing messing yourself up like yeah it's it's the it's the old ultimate like one-upmanship yeah you're constantly one-upping and whoever can continue to do that is the one that wins and whoever can't do that will get hurt and loses and it's combat sport without contact yes the contact it, comes from the floor <laughs> exactly which is, is, i want to get to this because um i think over the last 20 years mixed martial arts has really become a thing where people admire it and can see it beyond the violence. And they're like, wow, this is a legitimate sport. And look how smart and articulate and uh, just capable these fighters are beyond just like, you know, bashing their heads in. Um, And I think that's something that's missing and breaking right now. And I'll give you an example. In 2009, uh, Wicket, B-Boy Wicket, asked me to fly out to South Korea to attend an event called R16. And I was like, cool, so I'm going to a dance battle? You know, like, I was just like, this sounds really silly. I, I, I like breaking, I've seen it, I think it's cool, but it's still, to me, my judgmental self was just looking down on it. And this is the the honest truth. I was looking down on it because I just thought, it's just two people dancing, and whoever dances the best wins. That's kind of silly. 
But then I got there, and it was the Renegade Rockers representing the U.S., and I had only seen them, you know, together. They had come and trained with me before we worked together at Acrosports in San Francisco, so we had a relationship. I had seen them practice, but I had never seen them in competition mode. And something happened there where they um, organized themselves to uh, be ready to go into this crew battle. And I was like, wait a second. This is highly strategic, highly tactical, very well orchestrated. The communication is advanced. They communicate with each other in ways that I've never seen before. The moves that they're doing, I can't even get close to them. I can't even break them down. And then when I saw them battling, I was like, okay, this is this is not what I thought it was. It's something completely different. And unless you've seen it in real life, you can't describe what that is. And I think that's why we're talking right now. And that's why I'm I am so interested in this, because I want everybody to see this. Why should people care about breaking, in your opinion? I think breaking is one of the pinnacles of artistic expression and like high level sports performance. And regardless of like, I, I know everyone's worried it's gonna become a sport and all of that, but like you can tell even in these like higher level Olympics battles, you can tell who's still like having a conversation with their art and who's running through moves, right? And even if the general public can't articulate what that is, they're gonna say they feel somebody more. And I think this is a now sport, right? Um, or an art form that makes people feel. And it can be such a range of motion, emotions that it makes people feel. I, I, I feel like people watch it and they feel empowered to go out and do something crazy themselves, or they watch it and they like, feel that kind of like combative angriness or they watch it and they just feel pure joy but it's it makes people feel and and whether or not they mean to they become invested in the individuals people get favorites it's very like um you know i don't know if if you're into like anime or any of that but it's every like even dc marvel people have their favorite characters right like i really see breakers as as characters they've developed this like superhero superhuman abilities we have a different name right we don't go by our like like government name we go by some name we've made up there's a way that we dress there's a way that we uh, even put content out online there's a way that we express ourselves and and all of it boils down to expression and I know that a lot of sports like you know, everybody's expressing themselves through sport, but this expression is so like purely, clearly art form that I just think it's like such a beautiful way for the world to see and appreciate the value of art. And it's hopefully bridging that gap because these sports teams, they people make so much money off sports and like, even though during the pandemic, arts got through, got everyone through the pandemic, right? We're, we're now coming out of the pandemic and we're struggling all over again to like 
prove our worth to the world that we're worth putting time and money into. But like, where who entertains you when you're burnt out and tired of your job and tired of the daily things that you have to deal with in life? Where who brings you out of that and, and gives you an escape? And like, I'm hoping that by putting it in this sports arena, it's given the same um, value that sports are. Mm. And hopefully that trickles into other art forms. Yeah. And it's interesting you 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 mentioned this because breaking as an art, not as a sport, no, just as an art, is an amazing piece of entertainment if you're watching it. And if you're especially if you're there in person, you, you really get invested and are entertained. There's not a moment that feels dull. It's it's exciting. But sometimes what's missing is the inspiration piece. And the inspiration is missing that that transcends breaking, uh, and this is just my own narrow opinion, of course, is the inspiration is missing because there's a lack of uh, relatability. It, it feels so advanced and so foreign that it's almost like only a few can do it. But the truth about breaking is that it's extremely inclusive. Like anybody, even a person who doesn't have a lot of rhythm, like myself, I don't, I, I don't have great rhythm, like I feel like I can break because there's different places for me to start. So for example, for me, I feel much safer starting on the ground than standing. I Don't make me top rock, but footwork, that's cool. It's That's inspiring. What do you think it is that right now, uh, and I, I, I asked you this because you've toured. Yeah. And you've been on stages and you've performed um, breaking in a way that not only entertains, but in a way also makes it accessible. What is it that is missing in the high performance world of breaking that uh, needs to be captured or like bottled or like shared for people to see so that they feel less maybe intimidated by by breaking? Yeah. And it's not only the moves, it's also those characters. Uh-huh. Sometimes, you know, I remember being like, wait, am I safe here? <laughs> you know? it's, it's interesting because I think part of it is just seeing more of it, right? Like there's other sports that if you look at, don't necessarily seem inviting or like if you're watching like high level gymnastics you're not exactly like oh I could probably go out back and like throw a couple of those things right you're gonna have to find somewhere to enter this and because it's not around in the public eye as much I feel like it feels more intimidating than what it might later when it's been viewed more often um most of us didn't find it in a studio. Most of us literally stumbled upon it somewhere. Um, big brothers or sisters were doing it. People were doing it at school during recess. Um, you know, the way that I found it was I found B-Boys at a concert and they were like not performing there. They were just dancing in the corner. And then they told me the rec center that they practice at and I showed up, you know? so. 
it's tricky because when you say like how do we get more people involved like part of me really wants to get people involved and part of me doesn't want to open it in that way because if you if you found it organically I feel like it just creates a different approach to it that that is more organic right it's not learning it in a studio it's not like learning in front of a mirror it's not showing up for one hour twice a week to practice it it's like getting involved in the community and being a part of the community and I've I've felt this in a couple of different communities right I've done breaking I've done house I've done um, all styles I've done hip-hop like these different communities and it's you can you can be somebody that does it or you can be somebody that's involved and lives it and is a practitioner of, of the thing so I think seeing it around more will make people maybe want to find it but I hope it stays to the people that like it calls to instead of I I don't know that I necessarily want it just like accessible to everyone and and their dog you know mm-hmm yeah I I hear that and this is something that comes up for me I was just thinking about my grandson he loves skating he he watches skating all the time so for him it's entertainment but then it he wants to imitate it so he imitates skating but then when he gets on the board there's a price of admission yes it's hard to do and it's painful when you yes. fall so not everybody can do it in yep. other words not everybody can break at the level that a pure practitioner somebody who lives and breathes breaking can but everybody can get access to breaking and this is just my thesis breaking was exploded maybe it exploited maybe at the uh in the late 80s 90s or whatever in a way that was for pure entertainment and it was so watered down that the the essence of it disappeared and it almost like ridiculed the craft itself Furthermore, uh, at a professional level, it set a standard for the artist who was breaking that was so low that it was uh, not viable to continue to do that. Now we're seeing a potential second wave of exploitation, which is, okay, instead of it being pure entertainment, why don't we attach it to sport? Sport at a professional level is pure entertainment that's the, that's the reason there's there's money in the thing so it yeah it's it's complicated so i i hear the sentiment of you wanting it, to protect it, it and not it just is, kind of open it's it up interesting looking at it that way though because i feel like the industry right like movies and commercials and all of these things exploited it in a way that like people who did not break we're representing breaking and you know there's Flowmaster, wicked they were in movies this is not like the and i think that's why the community the breaking community has such a feeling about those of us that enter the industry right it's like because historically it's really been breaking has been misrepresented there which is always a little funny to me too because i'm like don't you want people that really can represent it then going over there to, but I also understand where it's like, you know, 
the industry is has historically exploited it. So why are you, you know, backing that? So there's two sides to that. But I think this presents a really unique opportunity where although there may be exploitation, if we can be smart about it, it's actual breakers getting the platform versus the industry where like a jazz dancer would all of a sudden like drop into some weird footwork or a freeze with their toes pointed and like that would be what the public saw as breaking, right? Um, now they're going to see actual breakers and it's just if we can learn the business quick and the business side of things quick enough to protect ourselves as it catapults up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the learning curve is very steep for that. So there's going to be mistakes. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. But it has to be done by somebody who's in breaking. Exactly. It can't be a, it can't be a fool like me saying, Hey, this is how you run a breaking company. It has to be, I think in collaboration because if sure. we're too proud to seek help, um, we won't know what we don't know. So there are people that have, like you that have done this in, in other sports um, and other platforms that bring knowledge to the table. And then if it can be met with those of us that understand breaking, right, and there's no or less ego involved in that collaboration, then something really beautiful can can grow out of that. Like, I, I don't know that we can do it alone, um, but we absolutely need to be at the steering wheel. We just mm -hmm. need some, like, additional engine parts. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very complex world to navigate, and because there's a lot of, emotions uh, around it, not only from a place of wanting to control, but rather to uh, protect that which allowed it to get to this point, because it's the essence of breaking, that it can it can potentially be so guarded that it becomes fragile. And yeah. in order for it to grow and adapt, it needs to be less controlled and thus giving a little bit away from a place of leadership is is important. I think that's what is happening right now in breaking is that the leadership within the breaking community is being elevated. Some are taking positions in um, national governing bodies. Other are taking positions within the athletic sphere of things. So trying to go to the Olympics. Others are uh, within the industry, like you are right now in Hollywood, basically. Um, and, and trying to stay true uh, to what is at the core in a way that is leading others to do the same. And that's very that's very hard. And it's uh, something that I don't think uh, people are fully aware of how hard it is, what, what they're actually trying to do. Um, yeah, I definitely think we all have to carry a lot of grace at this time because there's going to be inevitably there's going to be a lot of stumbling um so if we kind of write off everybody that stumbles we're going to be left with no one you know it's uh -huh. it's going to be a journey um 
and and be having been in Hollywood helps me in a lot of ways because I've already stumbled through that business world and failed a lot um and then taken advantage of a lot and learned a lot there and there's definitely some mirroring happening here now that it moves into the breaking world mm-hmm for sure let's shift gears let's get into you as a performer as a dancer as a breaker who now is on the path to qualifying for a Team USA and then hopefully getting it to go all the way to the Olympics. Give me um, a just brief history of how you got to this point. Like you mentioned you got into breaking at that concert. You went to that rec center, started practicing. Yeah, give me a, just a little um, arc of history until this totally. present present day. Totally. Um, I always wanted to dance. I would dance like at school with friends. We'd make up little routines at recess. And um, even into high school, like a lot of the basketball team that I would travel with, we'd like dance before games and stuff. But uh, my parents really wanted me in sports and wouldn't put me in any dance classes. And so when I got to college, um, I went to this concert as The Roots. And wow. there were, yeah, there were B-boys in the corner and I like looked creepy. I was like just standing there staring at them the whole time. And finally one came up and he was like, hey, you've been here a while. Like if you're interested, this is where we practice. Um, and it took me a couple of weeks to kind of like get up the courage. But I went to the rec center that they practiced at and a couple B-boys showed me a couple things. And, and I think also because I'd played sports, I understood practice. And so when they would show me something, I'd literally just stay in the little corner of the rec center, like away from everybody and like practice the six step over and over and over again, practice CCs over and over and over again. And I think because they saw me actually like practicing what they were giving me, they'd come back and give me a little more, give me a little more um, until I started to feel like, you know, when I showed up at practice, I was one of them. Um, and so for the first I would say five years, I, I was only breaking. Like I had a crew, we were um, street styles. It, I like would travel to battles. We would travel down to freestyle sessions, like carpool. Um, and then I got into, within that same scene, I got into some popping and some locking and some house from a dancer named uh, Kevin O'Keefe or KO. Um, and this is in Colorado because I went to school in Colorado. And um, after about five years, I had graduated, I stayed a couple more years and then I was like, okay, I wanna move back to California, um, but I'm gonna move to LA instead of the Bay just to be around more dance, not to get into the industry, but to be around more dance. And once I moved here, um, I realized that to work, as a dancer, especially as a female, I think it's easier for males to like live just off freestyle, especially breaking. But as a female, you have to adapt. And so that's when I started getting into classes a little more, um, tried to figure out choreography um, and got into the the industry side because I was working at Starbucks and and then I switched it to Apple when I, when I moved out here. And I was working this side job to like afford to live out here and at one point I really was like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do anything but dance. 
but I can't make a living off breaking. So how do I pivot to make a living off doing what I love? And I love other styles. It wasn't like I forced myself to like learn these other things. I enjoyed all these, all these other things. Um, I never really went into ballet or jazz or contemporary because those weren't things that I enjoyed. So, um, yeah, as I got more into like understanding choreography, understanding even like staging and things like this in the industry, I got presented with an opportunity to go tour Japan. And that was actually with Why Not and Wicked. And uh, Marie Poppins, Bionic, like some of the most epic, Tony Gogo, like some of those most epic street dancers. Kite from Japan was on that one, like Fishboy. And uh, it allowed me, well, it forced me to, to quit at Apple because I was going to be gone for too long to stay on. And uh, it was the first push of like, oh, I can, I can live off this. Like, I can, I can make a living off of this. Um, and it was definitely a struggle. I got myself into a lot of debt. <laughs> but uh, when I came back, I didn't go back to Apple. I just decided that I was going to, like, push for the dance world. Um, and so I, I always maintained my breaking, but I wasn't focused on the training in the same way. And I was really enjoying the all styles world of things. Um, I was also newly out. Like I came out after I had already started breaking. Mm. And I would still say that the breaking world is not the most um, queer friendly of the dance styles. Um, and it's gotten markedly better. But even what, 14 years ago, it definitely wasn't. And so I think that was another draw of going into house and I even started whacking and going into some of these places that were actually historically queer, um, which is a whole nother conversation because I feel like it's moving away from that. But wow. it just felt friendlier and I felt like I could be more myself. And um, yeah, I, I was dealing like we talked about with some with some beef with some B girls here in L.A., and I think I just was like, I love dance too much to be like not enjoying and not being my full self in this one world. Um, and so I think that was a necessary kind of diversion to all styles. Because um, I, I learned more about how to express myself through movement. And I learned more about who I was. And then now that I feel more solid in it, I don't mind going into this other world it was just too hard to find myself in that world. Um, but uh, 2018, 2018 or 2019, a couple of things happened that really pulled me back towards breaking. Um, one was actually that I went and first time I ever met Vicky, I went to do a 2v2 expo battle with her in the Bay um, because one of our mutual friends couldn't do it anymore and suggested me. And so, um, yeah, we, I literally met Viggy with her picking me up from the airport to like go battle together. And we're like, Hey, nice to meet you. Um, That's hilarious. And, uh, and then Red Bull started the B girl ciphers and I didn't get an invite to LA. And I like, you know, I was a little salty, but also I'd been in the all styles world at that point more so. But I was like, oh, F this. So 
Florida had an open, um, an open prelim. I flew myself to Florida. I entered the open prelim and I ended up being a finalist. I ended up coming in second out there, which qualified me to then go to nationals. Wow. So I like kicked down the door and like forced my way into the Rebel B girls. You're not going to leave me out. Um, and then ended up that year going to IBE and some other things. And and at this point, I was still very much doing all styles, but it was starting to like draw me back into the breaking world. Uh, and then pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's been a very interesting journey. During pandemic, I started an online course that was actually floor work. So an all styles approach to the floor um, that blew up. It did really well and this is Um, omega flow not yeah omega flow i was not expecting it i was kind of like i'm really bored i'm getting out of shape i need something to like keep me feeling purposeful and it grew into this thing where i was able to hire other teachers um i trained somebody in like the omega flow curriculum of like month one and month two and had her teaching it. it it like it's still going to this day even online um, but that got me just like more on the floor again. And as so all these like little things just started pulling me back just before this kind of like blow up of the Olympics. But I think that's why even when the Olympics started, I was like, am I, am I back? Am I doing this? Like breaking isn't something you can dabble in and stay highly competitive. <laughs> like you can stay in the ciphers and just be dabbling it all day. But um if you want to be highly competitive there's like a lot of discipline and time that goes into it and it it took me a moment to decide for myself whether I was uh gonna dive that deeply back into it like I had been doing when I started yeah it it literally sounds like going pro like yes going pro means you have to go full-time all in and you have to pick a path otherwise it's just not gonna happen yeah. And it's difficult because, you know, the industry in its own way, you also have to be going pro, right? Like you have to be showing up to the classes, to the auditions, showing your face like in that world. And these are two pretty separate worlds still. So um, I can I can feel that I've like stepped out of that one into this one. There's no like evenly straddling the line here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we are. You're not on Team USA. I am not. You're not uh, internationally ranked because you, you you can't be invited to go onto these things Correct. until you're in, uh, nationally ranked, and it has to be by being on Team USA. And in two weeks, two weekends from now, you're going to be battling. And in order for you to be on the team, you have to place top four. Correct. In order for that to happen, that means that one person who is currently on the team, at least, needs to be off the team. Correct. There's, there's going to be an upset. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I have two very, like, I feel like I love being the underdog and I love upsetting things and kind of like... Proving people wrong and um, shaking up the status quo, you know. I think, uh, I think even just being a queer person, like we're very used to doing that on a daily basis. 
Um, and then I have another side that like, I genuinely care about each of these girls that's on the team. And in a perfect world, I would love to just be added and not have to replace somebody. And I know that they've all been working really hard to be, you know, everyone that's on the team deserves the spot that they earned. Um, and then it's, it's just having to be like, and I deserve it too. Like it's not an either or, and, and we'll just kind of see what the battle says. But I, I am fighting this like voice in the back of my head that almost is like, ah, you don't deserve to be on there. They, they've already been doing it. They've been working hard. Like don't talk this up essentially for them. Mm -hmm. Um, well, here's uh, and this is just for people listening so they get a little insight into what's happening um there are people who have been uh on the circuit to be part of team usa since the inception or the the available option of doing that and a lot of them invested in going to multiple events they invested a lot of money a lot of time into going to multiple events last year so that they could qualify for nationals and through nationals to get on the team usa I think it was six events that they had to go to, which okay. is a lot. That's a lot of trips. If you average a, a thousand bucks for a trip, that's at least $6,000 that you invested just to go to these events uh, on weekends, by the way. Uh, you went to one, which was part of the rule book. The rule book said if you go to one and you place top, I think it was top four, or I, I forget what the rule, rule yeah. was. I, I think... If you go to one, you're eligible to. Oh enter. yeah, to do the pre uh, to enter nationals to, as the in the prelims, which means correct. that you have to even qualify for the bracket ballot. Right. Right. Correct. Right. So so you took third in Arizona uh, last year uh, after training for maybe a month, I think. So that that was the first upset. Then nationals didn't go as planned, so you didn't make Team USA because you didn't have you hadn't accrued all the points necessary, and you didn't place amongst the top two, which was the two things that you had to uh, do to make it out of the team. And uh, after that, you were basically kind of like, well, uh, you're not on the team, so you're kind of out of uh, out of sight, which is the truth. But yep, but you you've never stopped training. Furthermore, that was the thing that gave you the fire to continue to train as if you were on the team. Okay. You just haven't been able to go to any events until you went to the one in L.A., which was two months ago or a month and a half ago. I forget exactly when it was, uh, which qualified you for nationals. And here you are. And this is kind of the chance. So uh, you belong 100 percent. But I think from uh, maybe a more like visual perspective coming from the official channels, uh, it seems like you're just kind of a drop-in. But that that's not the case. You built something. And I, I, I just want you to kind of share with me. I, I know a lot, of course, of, of your process because I've been deeply <laughs> invested. Uh, but just kind of break down for me, what are the steps that you've taken to do everything in your power to be where you are right now, ready to upset some so that you can be on the team. Um, yeah, what does that look like? And I just want this to be painted as a picture for people to realize how much effort goes into this. That It's not like you just show up on event day and hope that you make it. Yes. Um, I am essentially... Going a little broke 
at the moment. Um, I've stepped away from any jobs. Um, you know, an, an industry job means eight to 10 hours in rehearsal and a potentially 12 hour shoot day, um, which then you're too drained to really do much around. Um, I've stepped away from uh, all, the all styles world quite a bit. Um, I haven't been entering any of those battles or even really showing up as much as I usually like to for the community. I've definitely sacrificed time with the dance community in LA in order to focus in on this training. Um, I've definitely sacrificed time with my partner and she's a big reason at the moment. She's actually just helped cover rent for the month um, because I couldn't. Um, she's, and then I've added a trainer who's also really donating her time because my budget is very small as far as what I can pay. So essentially now I'm training two to three times a week, just gym training. Um, and then five to seven days a week breaking. But then that means that I have to get the recovery time in. I need to be eating right. So I need to be, you know, it's, it's crazy what takes time. Like, it's not just the time that you show up to practice. It's like after practice, I need to make sure that I can get home pretty quickly to prepare the right kind of meal. That's going to take maybe an hour and a half. Um, and then getting in the hot tub or getting in an Epsom salt bath and stretching. And I, I, I really love going out. A lot of the ways that I've become a dancer has been through going out, through parties, through ciphers. Um, and I haven't been doing that. Um, you know, partying has really like dropped off. And that was also another way that I connected with a lot of my friends. So not seeing a lot of people anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's become like my full focus studying, like watching the international battles that are happening. So I know what the competition is looking like. Um, watching these other qualifiers, uh, just watching breaking in general. Um, yeah, it's the sense especially since the LA qualifier so now it's it's like exactly two months from the LA qualifier to nationals um I've kind of dropped off the face of the earth here yeah you put yourself in a training camp and you're in yes. full like focus concentration mode to battle yeah I just think this is important for people to hear because what happens often is people look into you know something like breaking or a sport that's maybe uh less prevalent than basketball mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah you just kind of uh show up and you spin on your back right you just kind of do that thing uh but then you have you know somebody like gravity who is highly fit uh, this past weekend couldn't do the finals because he had just missed his nutrition a little bit because he was focused on his kid. He was entering to qualify for nationals, which he did. Um, but he didn't feed, uh, Gravity didn't feed himself, so he had to withdraw from the final, had to take second, whatever. No big deal. Gravity is doing great. But you, you leave out one little thing, Her? and that costs you the medal. Yes. And the thing is, no medals, no money. Yeah. No money, no rent. No rent, no home. Now what? Are you back to Starbucks? Like what? What happens? And, like how do we do this? 
it it's it's a gamble too because you won't know until you've already gone broke. Mm-hmm. It's not like I can like dip a toe in and be like, oh, it's not working out. It's like you have to hundred percent go for it in hopes of maybe getting sponsored. And then if that sponsorship doesn't go through, you've already dug yourself into a hole. Mm-hmm. You know, I um it it's it's risky and it's scary and it's interesting because I feel like I've now done it twice to myself. Mm-hmm. I did it when I was younger, when I moved to LA and I was like, I wanna be a dancer. I'm gonna make that work. And then I got to a place where I was like, oh, I'm living very comfortably. Um, have a have a career, have like my my stuff together. And now I'm gonna do it to myself all over. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like potentially throw this career out the window. Cause if this journey takes two years, like who knows if there's going back at that point. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and I know, you know, I know a lot of the people that are in the running, this is what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. And this is why, and I don't fucking know if I can even do this. I don't know if I'm capable. I have a sense I can, but I. this is why I stick around. Because the first time you and I spoke, I asked you, so what's the deal? And you said, I want to be able to be this. You basically said, I want to be able to do this and to do this in a way where it, it at least allows me to play a role in society where I can afford rent, food, and continue to be creative and be myself and contribute in a meaningful way if that's even possible. So uh, my sense is, yes, of course you can. But in order to do that, you need to have an infrastructure that is going to support you and your craft. And I think that's what you're doing different this time, where it's not a gamble anymore. This is a cautious risk you're taking that has a time horizon that is not far uh, far enough out that it's going to kill you, but it's uh, far out enough that you're going to get a real proof of concept. And uh, my sense is that you you are building infrastructure, just the, the shirt that you're wearing right now. Uh, which you, you can talk about. I would love to to hear about it. But that's a piece of the ecosystem of your business that you're creating that represents your personal brand that allows you to create a conversion mechanism for people to pay you money, whether it's now directed towards training and qualifying for the Olympics, or uh, later on being able to be part of your cash flow that builds your business and thus allows you to do the thing that you do best, which is sharing your dance uh, through teaching, entertainment, or uh performance yeah yeah and the question is if all those things that i just said are true and you believe what i believe to some degree for what like what what's on the other side like let's say you make it to olympics let's say um you make it to a point where yeah randy you are it you did the thing you you're proven for what? What impact does that make? Uh, I mean, personally, it means that I no longer have to fit my art into other industries or other packages to sell it, essentially, or to make money um, to live. 
It means that I can then live just as me, which is the goal and 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 has been the goal in the industry too, right? But it's few and far between where you get to like just be you. Um and on a on a greater scale, I think what what I want most out of this is to be able to build something like I would love if if I have the backing of a medal or some sort of win or like the notoriety of that right like that allows me to take Omega which I I love so much and like get sponsorships to to build that out to have an actual physical space so it's not just online to be able to do uh retreats and like longer longer things with them to maybe even like down the line when I feel capable of it open up breaking school or something that feels like it it gives the access we're talking about without it like being studio based like it's still community based um uh-huh. yeah I, I I personally do all of this in large part because I enjoy the community I enjoy community aspect. I enjoy it's the the you know family of your choice moments, um, and I would love to be able to like take that and and funnel it back down into the community, um, and not even just for breaking, but for for street dancing clubs dance styles in general. You know, a lot of even um, like house and whacking and locking and these other things in L.A., they have to exist within these industry studios and they're trying Mm -hmm. to survive within these industry studios. There's not necessarily a place that's like dedicated to that part of the community. And we're struggling to find space to session and and, you know, um, yeah, I would I would love to to use whatever resources that that brings right because that's really what it's all about there's so many people here that would do it Uh it's 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 even like you know those that are getting the spotlights are not the only ones that have these like dreams right but it's a lack of resources Mm -hmm. and basically one of the things that you're doing is you're venturing down this path not only because it's cool to prove yourself and to push yourself and see what is truly possible through your physical expression, but also paving the way for those who are to come. Because once you crack that ceiling, that glass ceiling, it's much easier to get through for everybody else. It's now somebody's done it and it just takes one. And it's interesting because, you know, talking to Vicky Levix, who you mentioned, and, and that's when you when you entered that uh, two-on-two with uh, her, um, she was the first woman to uh, qualify for Team USA. She was qualified even before Nationals of last year. She was already on the team. She was the only one uh, that was there. First ever, uh, according to the rule book, Team USA member for breaking. And she trains outdoors. She she has to go outside of a library in a community center, and that's where she trains and practices. Yep. That's what we're talking about. Yep. That's the infrastructure and foundation that exists. And you may, may say, well, that's cool. That's raw. Yeah, that's cool. But when it's raining, what? Right? 
and, and you may like, it's just a little rain. You toughen up. It's like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. Like if you really want to see something go, you have to create environments and foundations that are going to be conducive for that. And that's what Absolutely. it sounds like you're doing. And, 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 you know, we would love to see more longevity. And the knowledge that all these other sports have about recovery, about nutrition, about, you know, and, and I don't think that that then makes us all sports minded. Right. But like, you know, I'm, I'm still going to go out and party and drink sometimes, but now I do know <laughs> how to take care of myself on the other end. Right. Versus like going out and partying and drinking and then having no idea about the recovery part of things, about the nutrition part of things, about like, and, and, you know, all the way down to like warming up and stretching and stuff. These aren't things that we did as, as breakers. Yeah. I mean, you have a tracker, you have a whoop band that's telling you like how you're doing. And that's changed like specifically my sleep. That has changed my sleep drastically. I didn't used to, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do a couple of days of like five hours of sleep because I know by the weekend I'll be able to sleep 10 hours and like make it up. Right. Like that has even just in like getting home or even not scheduling things too early in the morning, because now I know that like my sleep is better if I can sleep till nine or 10. Like, so it's, it's like what people kind of think of as common sense but if you don't have it there in front of you, like, even if we were trying to pay attention, we'd just be kind of swinging blindly. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is for you, you've at least got an education now. You have a you have an education on sports science. Like when it comes to high low performance, you dialed every single aspect of that, and just that packaged in a way that somebody else can take it on and carry it and use it is amazing. And it transcends breaking. And an indicator for me is that when we get to a place where parents are saying, I'm putting my kids into breaking, just like they say, I put my kids into soccer. I think that is the biggest indicator of that's the inflection point. And that's not selling out. That's not watering this crap down. It's not anything other than saying our foundation is, is more robust and we can carry more weight. Bring it on. It's, it's when it's to that point, that means that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people, right? Like when there's just room for one, it's every, everybody thinks it's about being that one, but what they don't realize is that that means there's no actual, like you're saying, infrastructure or anything, right? So we actually want to bring more people up, like get more people to, to, understand the business side, understand the recovery side, understand these other sides so that an infrastructure can build so that there can be multiple opportunities for people. We need a lot of people doing it in order for there to be leagues and scholarships to schools and all these other things that that sports has access to is because there's a lot of people doing it. You still have to be great at it to get the scholarships. Um, and if anything, that's going to enhance it because people are really like, even now, people are getting better. Like, I'm watching the B girls on Team USA get better at breaking. Is it? It's incredible. It's not watering it down. They're getting yeah. better at breaking because of these access points that they have now. And 
and the ability to to battle often and on a high level against high competitors and travel and do all this stuff. And that comes with having a lot of people doing it, not with being having one person be the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, there's so many uh, teaching points and, and lessons learned along this way. And we are seeing the craft of breaking being pushed to to new levels. Yeah. And that's something that is is undeniable and exciting and exciting to to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, my brain is going in many different directions. One of them, for some reason, I'm just going to like test the waters here, see, see what happens. Why breaking as a representation at the Olympics and not ballroom? This was tricky because I don't know a lot about ballroom. Right. How about just just like contemporary dance? So yeah. So I was like, my assumptions may be totally off. Or ballet. But for me, ballroom, uh, ballet, these like studio based dances, often in a at a very early age, weed out people that can't afford them. Mm. There there are forms that historically take money to access breaking is something that you know we're outside of libraries breaking like we go to the park we're in each other's houses um it's something that's accessible on a community level to people that don't have money Uh and so i think that that in itself is a really important thing that these that these sports, any sport, anything that gets to a high platform has a way to be accessible, not just to the select few that have the resources. And I think that's also something that we have to be careful of as breaking grows, right? Is that it doesn't turn into something where there's like the gymnastics gyms that train great breakers that cost a lot of money that people can't have access to, especially because this dance form did it come from people with money. Mm-hmm. It came from black and brown culture out of New York that specifically did not have money. And so that's, I think, what gets a little dangerous with it moving into this field. But that's what's so beautiful about it right now. N- no one that you are seeing, very few people that you're seeing came up in the studio world first. People weren't ballerinas first and then like got into breaking. It was like we were able to find it and continue to practice it in free spaces with community, with people that were willing to share with us. Um, yeah, it's it's an access thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Very, very interesting. And it's something, you know, there's many, I, I can approach this from so many different uh, perspectives, but just like thinking about gymnastics, I did gymnastics. In order for me to learn certain tricks, I needed to have a certain equipment, like at least a mat or some spotters. People had to spot you to do something, to like learn a backflip, for example. And that's not something that everybody has access to. So something that you can do on your own at home without any equipment is 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 powerful. And the fact that you, and when I say you, I mean the breaker, has evolved the progression for all these high-level moves that allows you to do it on your own, I think what it's doing is really encouraging autonomy. And more than ever, I mean, just look at this damn pandemic. 
I don't trust the government for a second. I don't trust the media for a second anymore. Like, you guys suck. <laughs> I, I don't think yeah. I could have done it better, yeah. but you 100%. guys clearly don't know what you're doing. 100%. So more than ever, we need more autonomy and we need to take ownership. I think breaking teaches that. The other thing that we're seeing is from an academic perspective, look at all these Ivy League um, uh, colleges or look at just getting a degree in the United States. It costs so much money and then you're in debt for the rest of your life. That system is crumbling. And this kind of, uh, in my eyes, seems like the, the I, I forget who started this, but in like homeschooling, there's this uh, philosophy of unschooling which is saying we're going to use structure and, and curriculum, but the curriculum is not the one that is like standardized testing, get you to college. But it's like, let's find the thing that you're really interested in okay. and let's leverage that as a way for you to learn everything else. Okay. Breaking does that okay. because all of a sudden now here you are, dancer, artist, but now physical performer, athlete. Holy shit. Yeah, I have to have a business, business management, bookkeeping, marketing. You know, like what are all these things? Totally, totally. And I, and it is that like, do it yourself. Like it, it's, it's something that I've always known about myself is if I need to figure out a way to make something happen or specifically to make money, there's mm -hmm. a way mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be searching for a job, right? Even like the t-shirt production or during pandemic, like offering the classes online and like building building an actual it wasn't just like one-off classes it was an actual program so that it held more value and like but this kind of hustle mentality of figuring things out i think we do learn that from like figuring out breaking figuring out how to get upside upside down figuring out like yeah we don't we don't have the classes that gymnastics has and even with breaking it's like you can have all the high level moves you want you still have to do them in a creative, original, independent way. There's no like, you know, do windmills and this is the form that it's supposed to, you know, there's a there's a bad way to do them if, if you don't have. But the added flavor, the added individuality that's on top of it, you're you're never just learning a move. You're learning to move and then you're making it yours. And so then we can kind of go out into the world and like make these other things ours. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I love it. And I think individuality is key to the evolution of society as a collective. Yeah. But being able to do that in a way that keeps everybody involved and connected is important. So it's kind of like, individual performance with the intent or at least um, positive intent of trying to bring everybody up with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, historically that's like bring your people, your crew, your chosen family up with you. And mm -hmm. now we're seeing this shift of like, bring your country up with you or like bring breaking as a whole up with like, people are shifting that that mindset to to include a broader scale of things right and i think that's cool too it's interesting also you know you brought up government and it's like we're gonna be representing the u.s and never in my life have i wanted to wear the flag 
Mm. Like, I, I don't, you know, and, and so I'm like, going to lean in, talk to me, manage, not, not being down for like the majority of what this country believes in. But then also this is where breaking started. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a whole different side of this country. That's like not what you see in the politics and not what you see on the news and not, you know, and, and how do I, represent that and not that well what you just said is what um team usa and i'm speaking out of pocket here i'm just making it up but from what i've heard and what i see and just years of me wanting to like be in that little thing and knowing a lot of people that have been there that's what they want people to say but you are not just saying it you're feeling it and you're not even on the team technically you know so it's like come on Let's go. I'm like, I want to be on the team. Absolutely. But regardless, I want Team USA to, to do well. Like, mm-hmm. I want I want the best person going to the Olympics. If that's me, great. If it's not me, great. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Randy, you're doing it, and I'm inspired by you, as I tell you often, but I really mean it. I am inspired by you, meaning that you you breathe life into me, and you you give me the, just the, maybe it's insanity to want to just keep doing this, but I don't know. But you, you give me the hope that uh, the effort that those who are creative, those who care about their craft deeply and continue to nurture it, that they belong and that they have a place here and that they can make a positive impact in others and that that impact is going to be enough to support those who are choosing to be the real ones so to speak um i believe that about you and that that's uh, it's cool i just like being close to that fire i'm just like selfishly like give me more randy this is awesome well, thank you. You you definitely help uh, stoke the fire all the time. So I appreciate you. I, I honestly, I, I don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't be this far if it weren't for you. Hey. It goes both ways. Um, Randy, how can people support you? What should they look out for? Yeah, sell us a little bit. Yes. Um, a big way to support right now would be to follow the journey. Um. Mm-hmm you know, share, like, comment on IG, all of that, at, especially if we're being really frank, like as we get into looking for sponsorships and stuff, having the sponsors see that there's an active audience is always super, super helpful and free for the active audience. Um, I'm also selling some apparel. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is my first line, Sit Like a Lady. Um, for all the times I've been told to do something like a lady, uh, but uh, almost sold out, but there's a couple left if you're interested. And then there'll be another line coming out. They're all gonna be um, small batches, limited runs. Um, but even just seeing people out there wearing it already, like at practices and stuff, that feels like support as well. It's just um, any good energy you can send and uh, keep me in your thoughts on May 6th, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And here's my here's my 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 call to action is 
if you go on the site or you uh, actually if you go to Randy's um, Instagram and you you ask her for the sizes that are left, buy it even if it's not in your size. Okay, gift it to somebody, take a picture of it, share it on Instagram, tag Randy. Come on. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yes, they make a great gift. They make a great gift. Yeah, they're a great gift. They're a great cause. You can like cut and, it up a little bit if it fits differently, you know, make a little crop top. Yeah, and this is not just like a copy and paste kind of thing. This is limited edition, a design that you've been working on for a while. You have taken the effort to customize it as much as one can customize uh, merch when focusing on training uh, full and, time. And all designed and printed and everything within the community. So um, I drew up the mock. There was another dancer from Florida that made the final design. And then uh, a b-boy here in in Los Angeles that actually screen printed the shirts. So mm. all within the community, all feeding back into, into the dance community. Nice. So buy breakers, for breakers, and inclusive for other people to be a part of the community and support this thing going uh, forward. And this is just like one of the things. If you know people, sponsors, uh, anybody who wants to see Breaking Rise, um, if you want to endorse Randy, go direct to uh, Randy and reach out. Uh, every single little bit helps. And it doesn't end May 6th. Like this goes now for for a long time. This yes. is uh, never ending. So absolutely, yeah, Randy. Any final words? Any final thoughts? Anything you want um, people listening or the breaking community to know about um, you? Just that it's been a wild ride, and that if I do, you know, make it to the team or make it to the Olympics, that I will do my due diligence to to represent things correctly. I like it, Randy. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again it's and great. follow up with uh, all the success. Uh, Absolutely. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, God. Uh, I do what I want, I do what I like, and I watch this. I know fear nobody. Nobody. I do what I want, I do what I like, and I watch this.